0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. There's only 30 seconds of me doing the unexpected. Everyone here this morning arrived, prepared for me to deliver the sermon today. And when the time came, it only took 30 seconds for many to feel uncomfortable. Some people might have felt irritated. That would have been me if it had been me not knowing. (laughs) Certainly filled with questions about what in the world I'm doing. I'm expected to be doing a work, to be prepared for it. And yet there were some of you wondering why I didn't have my act together. Again, that would be me. Just 30 seconds, and it had an impact, didn't it? Imagine if I'd gone for a minute, and we had a visitor here. The text for the lesson this morning is Psalms chapter 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. This morning I'd like to speak on the subject of time and its impact on you and I. We've all heard that time is our most valuable resource. We've also heard that time should not be wasted. Time waits on no man, or as Benjamin Franklin said, you may delay, but time will not. These are all facts that we take for granted, and even though we've heard these sayings and we intuitively understand them, we understand the concept of the passage of time, I believe that if we're honest, we'll all say that these things have begun to sound a little bit cliché. And most likely, all of us can point to a time in our lives where we became acutely aware of both the shortness of time and our misuse of this finite resource. As we know, today is Easter Sunday, and we set aside this time on our calendars to remember the resurrection of the Lord, our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And when I think about time, and specifically the time allotted to us upon this earth, my thoughts inevitably return to Jesus Christ. For I believe that in His life and work, we not only see a story of time well spent, but we see the very purpose of time. This morning, I want to examine the importance of time for you and I as it's demonstrated in Christ. Second, I want to answer the question of whether time is friend or enemy to mankind. And finally, I want to look at the question of why time exists at all. It's my intent for this to be a simple study, but a thought-provoking one. So let's first examine time in the life of Jesus Christ. As a man, Christ experienced a period of time that was different from what you and I are experiencing today. As a man, He was born, and He was destined to die as we are. Between those two events were around 33 years of life in which Christ made specific choices on how he spent his time. For perspective, I'm 43 years old as of 2022, and I'm still considered young by the standards of the world. When Christ died, he was approximately 10 years younger than me. He died in what many call the prime of life. An average 33-year-old in today's society might very well still be living under his parents' roof. Not because that's normal like it is in certain cultures, but because there's still this idea in Western society that at the age of 33, there's still so much life left ahead of that young man or young woman that there's more of that time ahead than there is yet behind. And yet the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 12, For man also knoweth not his time as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Truly when a fish is caught in a net, it's caught even as it has no sense of trouble. It's swimming, it's single-mindedly looking about for its next morsel of food even as it becomes food for something else. Matthew 24, 43 says, But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. You see, no man squanders his life without a backup plan in place. Every procrastinator says he still has time. Every careless man says he will attend to certain concerns when they become a concern and not before. Jesus points to the homeowner in Matthew 24, 43 who was burglarized and says that that homeowner would never have allowed himself to be burglarized had he known the time that he should have been watching for the thief. But the point is he didn't know. And because he grew lax in his watching, he was robbed. Have you ever been robbed before? I have. It's a terrible feeling of loss and More than the loss, though, is the feeling of violation if someone robs your home. Have you ever not been present when a loved one died? My grandma, I remember back in the 90s, she sat day day and night in the hospital with her husband after he had suffered a heart attack. She was determined to be there for him and to be there with him to say her goodbyes, should that time come? And at one point, she needed rest and food and a break, and so she stepped out for just a moment. And it was in that precise moment that her husband passed away. I can remember her grief. I remember watching her cry to my mother saying, if only I had not gone away. Now, she did nothing wrong in taking a quick break. She was human after all. But the point is that it's in those moments where we are not present physically, emotionally, spiritually, that the unexpected will come. 2 Peter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the day of the Lord is coming, and we do not know the day and the hour. But the message in the Bible is very clear. It will come upon us in the moment in which we do not expect it. The time we've been given marches steadily on and once it passes, it cannot be reclaimed. We all know this. And yet there's an ongoing struggle in our lives or at least in the lives of most men, myself included, to use our time wisely. Isn't there? So I'd like to share with you just a quick story. It's called Time is Gold. This is the story of a a lazy man who was a friend of a king. One morning, the lazy man asked the king, why does everyone say that I can't do anything? And even when I go to get a proper job, everyone refuses me. My enemies have told everyone that I never do any work on time. The king said, let's make a deal. Before sunset, you come to my treasury and collect as much gold and pearls as you can, and they will all be yours. The man rushed toward his home to his wife, he explained everything, and then after hearing her husband, the wife said, man, always listen to your wives. Go and get the golden gems now, time is gold for you. The lazy man sat down and said, I can't go now, give me lunch first. And after having lunch, he decided to take a very short nap, but instead he slept for two hours. Then, late in the afternoon, he selected a few bags and he went toward the king's treasury. But on the way, he felt hot. So he sat down under a tree to rest and he ended up sleeping for another five hours. When he finally reached the palace, it was already late in the evening. It was a time for sunset. Therefore, the palace gates had been shut before he could reach there. He lost the golden chance to get rich just because he didn't know the value of time. So the moral of the story, time is precious. Spend it wisely. Stop wasting time on unimportant things. Jesus understood this moral when he was but a young teen. His family was in Jerusalem, and they left thinking that he was with them. Only he wasn't. Where was he? Well, after three days, they found him at the temple discussing the word of God with the learned men there. When the parents began, when his parents began to chastise him, his response was mem- uh, memorable, to say the least. Luke 2:49. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? Time mattered to Jesus. When men told Jesus to hurry up and to go into Jerusalem and show himself there, rather than hide himself away, you can find this in John 7, verses 1 through 10. Jesus refused to go because his time had not yet come. By that he meant there was still work to do. And going to Jerusalem would be the beginning of the end of his life here on earth. Even with so little time left, you can read that Jesus was determined to do all that he had come to do. And he would not be deterred from it. The entirety of the Bible tells us that Jesus existed since eternity past. And all things were created by him with the express purpose and knowledge of that mankind would need a Savior, and He would be that Savior. Time mattered to Jesus from the very beginning. Later, when Jesus hung upon the cross, He endured for no less and no more time than what was needed before He proclaimed, it is finished. And He gave up the ghost because time mattered to Jesus. And because He honored the will of God by capitalizing on His time, Jesus lay in the tomb for exactly three days and then miraculously, gloriously, He rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And for about 2,000 years now, Jesus has been spending His time interceding for us, praying for us as our High Priest to God the Father. All that time... From his resurrection until now, mattered to Jesus. Yes, Jesus was a busy man. Jesus is even now busy preparing a mansion for you and I. It's always wonderful, isn't it, how God puts words into the hearts of the men that lead up to the sermon. I can assure you, they had no idea what I'm going to be talking about. He's preparing a mansion for us. And you know what else? He's preparing to return as the victorious king, in which capacity he will rule with a rod of iron and subdue the nations or people of the world, even as he will forever destroy death and the grave and that old serpent, the devil. That time is future, but it matters to Jesus. So I ask you does time matter to you? Does it matter to me? We celebrate that Christ was resurrected today. It was all for a purpose. It's all leading up to something. And there's a time clock ticking down toward it. Jesus made it pretty simple for us when it comes to how we are to spend our time. He first commanded us to believe, repent, and obey. We are to believe that He is the Son of God, sent to save us by paying the debt of sin with His death upon the cross. We are to believe that He rose again and that it is His will that all men be saved. We are to recognize our sin and our need for a Savior and repent or change our minds about being slaves to sin. We are to reject sin and embrace Jesus, our only hope, for our righteousness is as filthy rags to Him according to Isaiah 64, verse 6. We are to confess the name of Jesus, that He is all these things to us, the only begotten Son of God. And we are to obey by submitting to the waters of baptism, to be buried with Him in likeness of death, and be raised unto new life for the remission of sins. Then we are to live a new life as a new creature, Freed from sin and set free for good works as we take up our cross and follow Him. Primary to those good works is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18-20 through 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is our job until our time on this earth ends. Living in this way we are to continue to make good use of our time, knowing that he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Matthew twenty four thirteen. Paul elaborates on the Lord's teaching here in 1 Corinthians 9.24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. <clears throat> Every race, including this life, whether you feel like it during the race or not, has a short duration. During the race, we do not behave as we normally would. When we race, time is of the essence. And we seek to reach the finish, having given it our all. If a runner stops, takes a break, enjoys a banana and some mineral water, the odds of them winning drop dramatically, don't they? So the importance of time in a race cannot be understated. The judges place great value on how quickly a runner finishes, even down to the millisecond in some races. And rest assured that they will have great disappointment and consternation in the one who starts strong and then throws in the towel just ahead of the finish line. When a runner does that, the judge doesn't comment on how well he started. They don't say, did you see how he ran the first two-thirds of the race and then dropped the microphone, as it were, and stopped running? Wow! No, they don't say that. Time matters. Every second, and one of the hardest things you'll ever do is to keep running. To keep trying. To get up when you fall. And to keep going. Finish strong. Even if you're not first across the finish line, you want to be like Paul and say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only. But unto all them also that love His appearing. 2 Timothy 4, verses 7-8. through If, when the Lord returns, or you stand before Him in judgment, you have anything other to say than what we just read Paul said, you will not get a participation trophy according to the Bible. So don't give up. Keep fighting. Make the most of the time that you are given because it's important. My second point, is time a friend or an enemy? Now the answer I believe can be either one, but it should be our friend. Let me explain why. Time is our friend for many reasons. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thank God that he inspired Peter to write this verse because I can't tell you how many times I return to it and take comfort from it. The time allotted to us is a good thing. The fact that God will tolerate a mistake and not immediately strike us down is a blessing beyond comprehension. This blessing applies to both the saved and the unsaved alike. Time is an opportunity that we haven't earned, we don't control, but that gives us most often chance after chance after chance, doesn't it? And yet we spend so much of our time complaining about time, whether it's too long or too short. Galatians 6 verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not with the passage of time comes a ripening of our great reward. And someday the Lord is going to set us loose in that spiritual garden to partake of the sweet produce that has been wrought over time. But to the one who squanders his time, to the one who repeatedly rejects God, time is indeed an enemy. And not only because we run out of it, Consider that anxiety, unrighteous anger, depression, feelings of helplessness and fear, these are all symptoms of one who does not have peace with God. And why? You can peel this onion in many different ways, but at the core the result is always the same. When we don't have the peace of God, it is because we are not in right relationship or right fellowship with Him. And if we're not in right relationship with God, it is only for one reason. We have not done with our time the things that we mentioned earlier. Believe, repent, obey, fulfill the Great Commission, and live for God rather than ourselves. You know, the unsaved will say, well, I feel anxiety, fear, et cetera, because I haven't been saved. The saved person may say, well, I fear, fear, anxiety, etc., because I'm not living for the Lord. Because some people get it confused and they think that salvation is one step. You get saved, it's all about you, go live how you want, God will work it out, you cannot do anything to mess that up. That is not how we're called to live. Even if that were true, it would be proof that we don't love God. The only thing we love is ourselves and that is the only reason we said we accepted Christ because we wanted to have our cake and eat it too. And that is not who we are. That is not who God has called us to be. So that is why people experience anxiety, fear, depression, helplessness, etc. and so forth so often. We need to understand that all those negative emotions I mentioned, they're not the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. They are the fruit of Satan gaining a foothold in our lives. That's hard to hear, but it happens to all of us all the time. That which does not come from God, who is light, comes from the prince of darkness, Satan. The trouble is, Satan is very effective in persuading the world, and even Christians, that unrighteous anger, depression, anxiety, fear, worry, feelings of helplessness, they're all just a natural part of being human. They're a disease that we cannot help, <clears throat> we're told. We need medicine for that. We need secular therapy for that. This is not a God issue. This is a medical issue. This is a science issue. And the fact that you suffer from it must be validated and affirmed. Now please understand that I don't claim that these conditions don't exist and there's various causes for them and sometimes you do need medication. Sometimes you need to see a doctor for things. But what I am saying is that none of these things come from God. Very often, they're symptoms of underlying spiritual problems. For example, who in here has ever procrastinated over a task they did not want to do? Maybe you'd rather do something else you enjoy more, so you put off your duties and responsibilities. Now, be honest, isn't it true that in those times you plant the seeds of worry and anxiety? Isn't the fruit of failings you cannot change And that might be traced directly to your own actions. Isn't that the source of depression many times? I urge you not to seek to explain this away or write off your specific circumstances. It's different. But to simply take a moment to reflect and see if the source, the sometimes very distant source of your emotional and spiritual trouble might just be rooted in your relationship with God and how you live your life and spend your time. don't ask you to do anything i don't do for myself i'm a pretty interesting person when it comes to my emotions anybody who spent any time around me knows this and so you can imagine i constantly have to go to god in prayer and meditation and fasting and reading his words to try to clear my mind and figure out what the real source of my problem is and i will tell you this it has always without fail been my relationship to God, including when I'm physically sick. Sin will bring about physical illness and ailment to your body. Why do you think when Jesus cast out sickness from people, that was an act of holiness? Of all the things he could have done, he chose to heal people because that is not the state that God wants us in. So, not all sickness is the result of sin, but some is. And we need to remember that. I know it's not an easy analysis, but friends, are you satisfied with treating a symptom? Or do you want to eradicate the cause of your troubles? Your pain is real. I know that. Your circumstances are unique. I know that too. And your trouble is not imaginary. But is your analysis and treatment just a band-aid covering a wound in which the knife is still stuck? That's what it's like when we're wasting our time sitting on the sidelines in the race, putting off the hard work of getting back up and persevering to the end. When we do that, then time is our enemy. Just remember, God did not intend time to be our enemy. God intended time to be that buffer, to overcome these difficult things. God intended that time to be the grace period in which He allows us to see that we may have drifted away from Him and then it's the time we have to come back before it's too late. Time is our friend. Make time your friend again and get to the work of the Lord. My final point is why does time exist at all? I submit that it's about more than has been stated thus far. Time exists quite simply for the glory of God. In the book of Genesis, we see that God allowed no place for death In his original design, his original plan from the beginning took it into account. But it was not in his design. When God created Adam and Eve, he said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2.17 The implication here is that Adam and Eve, if they had not eaten of the tree, that they would not experience death. Then Satan came along and said, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 4-5. through 5. You see, from the moment of creation, when God created and designed day and night, He instituted time. It was time without end. It was the blessing of life eternal. When Satan interfered, What he did was to stop time spent with God and begin a different period of time and existence spent separated from God, which is death. Satan has such enmity toward God who he knows he cannot harm that he struck at God in the only way he imagined that he could strike a blow. That was by perverting and corrupting God's favored creation. That's you and I. Mankind who was made in the very image of God. So what we have here is a dichotomy in time. You have eternity with God and eternity separated from God. And those two flows of time will always continue to exist. But God has found a way to pull us back to eternity with Him. He had that plan in place way before the thought even crossed Satan's mind. But Satan really believed he had achieved Destroying God's favored creation, you and I, in persuading Eve to eat of the fruit of the forbidden tree and then sharing it with her husband Adam. But remember this God cannot be mocked. God cannot be surprised and God cannot be undone. Not by Satan, not by you and I. Just as we're told as it relates to marriage, I'll give you an example of how God cannot be mocked. We're told that. In marriage, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Let no man put asunder. You can have a legal divorce and still be married in the eyes of God. Man has no power to dissolve that union that God has put together. Likewise, we can also understand the principle applies to God's design, it cannot be torn asunder. Satan cannot and could not thwart the plan and design of God. He cannot have God's special creation. He cannot. And he cannot utterly destroy what was made in the image of God, you and I. And that's one of the great shames that the world believes that Satan is somehow God's equal as an evil power. He is not. He's some third-rate fallen charlatan who's being allowed to make a fool of himself for a little bit longer. That's what Satan is. So time as it is given to us is given for the express purpose of bringing glory to God. For in the passage of time we have seen Christ come and bring salvation to fallen man. We've seen Satan defeated and in a future time we will see Satan cast into the pit along with his fallen angels and those who reject God's plan of salvation. In eternity future... Time will bear out the glory of God as the redeemed, the bride of Christ, the church, is married to his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Time will bear that out, despite what anyone else says. Time is actively bringing and will always bring glory to God. Time will one day bring yet more glory to God, for as Jesus says in Matthew twelve thirty six, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now I find the use of the word idle here very fitting in this discussion of time. For you see, an idle word is a thoughtless word. An idle word is a wasted word. An idle word is a rebellious word. <laughs> and they constitute a waste of time. Henry David Thoreau once said, As if you could kill time without injuring eternity. Let me say that again. As if you or I could waste time without injuring eternity, our eternity. That should be a very sobering thought to us as we consider how we use the time given to us. Time keeps ticking by. Until it stops. So as we begin to conclude here. <clears throat> I just want to say our time for the message this morning is up. And if you're like me. Every time the subject of time comes up. I feel my gut tightening up. I always think of Philippians 2 verse 12. Wherefore my beloved as ye have always obeyed. Not as in my presence only. But now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is right to have a reverent fear of the Lord. It is right to daily question how we use our time. But we don't need to be consumed by fear, just the same. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Do you understand that? That's a promise to us. It's in God's Word, and Paul was inspired to write it. If we will acknowledge and repent of and turn away from the problems that we have ability to see in our lives, then God is not going to have to take us to the woodshed because we can handle it ourselves. You know, God is not about I have to beat it out of you. He's about understand my will and where you were wrong and repent of it. Come back to me. Beg for forgiveness. If we will judge ourselves, we won't need to be judged in any other way. What a wonderful thing. If we take time to read God's Word, read God's Word. If there was one thing that we don't spend enough time doing above all else in our lives, I can guarantee for probably everybody in here, it is reading God's Word. And then praying about it. Take time to read God's Word. Measure yourself against it. Be willing and prepared to ask forgiveness of the Lord. Repent of your sins. Begin anew. And then we can breathe a sigh of relief as we recall Lamentations 3 verses 22 through 24. I always find it funny. In a book called Lamentations, like crying, weeping, moaning, that sort of thing, one of the best, most joyous verses is found. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions Fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. We have hope. The Lord uses the time he gives us to renew his mercy toward us every single morning. And when we think of Easter, we think about morning. Flowers and sunshine. A fresh start after a dark winter. A fresh start in eternal life as Christ Rose from the grave. You don't picture resurrection day as being overcast, do you? You picture a white tomb and blue sky and sun and joy. That is how the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And He's faithful. There is always enough time to become right with the Lord while we are still alive. Are you still breathing? then there is time. So take a deep breath, relax, and make the most of it for the glory of the Lord. I like what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, the best thing about the future is that it comes one day at a time. Amen. Jesus was resurrected as the first fruits, proving that God was well pleased with His time spent in obedience to the Father while on this earth. We serve a risen Savior because... He gave His will, His time, His life to fulfilling the Father's will. And He tells us in John 20, 10, 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. Speaking of those who follow His lead as the first fruits. Give your life. Lose it for His sake. Every moment of your time, give it to Christ. And in return find a life far exceeding any expectation that you could ever have if you obey the gospel then you too will be resurrected to eternal life to be forever with him are you still waiting for the right time to accept Jesus and be baptized (laughs) I just want to read you the lyrics of this song it's number 977 in our book why do you wait why do you wait dear brother Oh, why do you tarry so long? Your Savior is waiting to give you a place in His sanctified throne. What do you hope, dear brother, to gain by a further delay? There's no one to save you but Jesus. There's no other way but His way. Do you not feel, dear brother, His Spirit now striving within? Oh, why not accept His salvation and throw off thy burden of sin? Why do you wait, dear brother? The harvest is passing away. Your Savior is longing to bless you. There's danger and death in delay. Why not? Why not? Why not come to Him now? Why not? Why not? Why not come to Him now? Those words come from the old hymn, Why Do You Wait, number 977, as I said. And they apply to you as well, Christian you have something separating you from god something breaking your fellowship with him breaking your peace why not deal with it now why do you tarry so long your savior is waiting if there be one of either case we ask you to come forward and have a seat in the front bench where we are waiting to help you and to pray for you come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song